Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Politics without the soap opera. With unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew our life, liberty, property, and our future existence as healthy, sentient human beings. Here at CR Podcast, this is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Friday end of week. And yes, we are doing a healthy Friday show focusing on whole health. Look, if I can't make a difference on politics because we don't have a movement, we may as well take our own health in our own hands, do what we did with the COVID bioweapon, try to take care of ourselves. Public health is the greatest threat to our existence, our liberty, and our health, right? I mean, everything we have from this government is Orwellian. A man's a woman, a criminal's a victim, an alien is a citizen, up is down, down is up, a tax cut is a handout, a handout is a tax cut. So likewise, anything that's billed as health is unhealthy. One of the things we should have realized is that if a government could openly take something that is prima facie poison and sell it as health and something that could save you, they bill it as poison, well, you got to start thinking, well, what, what else are they doing or have they done? And we have all this sickness in this country Everyone's sick and unhealthy. Where is that coming from? So we're going to have a very special guest coming up soon uh, to dive into diet, health, what sort of food is being shoved on us, perhaps the air, the soil, other things, other products, practical advice. Um, but first, just before we get to that, before we get to that, I do want to point out just how bad this is. We we tried to write the book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, to warn people, oh my gosh, they're going to do this again and before we can even count the number of high school athletes dropping of heart attacks every day, they have already approved the RSV shots. They approved GSK and Pfizer RSV shot for seniors, Pfizer for pregnant women. They're about to approve Moderna's mRNA version. And then yesterday, CDC's ASIP, their advisory uh, committee, they approved this monoclonal antibody that's being packaged and used prophylactically as a vaccine, so it's not after you get sick, for newborn babies. They just approved newborn babies. It's born out of the womb, boom. Give it a shot for which there's no rationale to vaccinate against. It's not a vaccine, but it's being legally given that nomenclature to absolve them of liability. And prima facie, more people died in their own fake trial group than placebo. Just straight up. There's no, no no, funny games. Straight up, they could have, oh, more people died. Let's go approve it. And there is no backstop. Despite everything we see, they could take warp speed on to the next level. And that's why, again, I will just say, nominating Trump for the time we live in is like putting a Muslim crescent on a Flight 93 memorial. 
this is the issue of our time. Warp speed wasn't an, an, an anomaly. It is the, they're, they're, it's the new future framework. They're doing it. They have done it. And if Trump thinks that warp speed is the greatest thing alive, he is the greatest threat to us. But I don't want to delve into that so much today. We'll talk about that more next week. But this is unreal. Unreal what we're seeing. Dr. Merrill Nass is always spends hours watching those stupid hearings and covers it for us so we don't have to. So she first notes that 25 babies a year die of RSV. That's it. RSV is very treatable. It's treatable with a nebulizer. Why in the world there is a rush should scare everyone. Right? At least with COVID, they created a deadly bioweapon for a lot of people that there was a need to treat. So, you know, you can understand why you'd want to rush a vaccine, theoretically. But here, like, why would you even do that? It's the same RSV we've always had. Oh, whoops, since, I was about to say since Adam and Eve, but no, since the 1950s, when it was created from other gain-of-function research, which gain-of-function research, of course, is vaccination. That is vaccine research, and we need to force Republicans to stop dancing around that point. No one knows, gain-of-function doesn't mean anything to people. It's vaccine research is what it is. No one could deny that. But anyway, it's a monoclonal antibody made by um, AstraZeneca, but basically distributed and marketed by Sanofi, another pharmaceutical company, big one. And it is made out of genetically engineered antibody produced in hamster ovary cells. Okay, I'm sure that's very safe and 100% vetted. Um, right off the bat, it's it's not a vaccine, right? It, it, even they admit it won't stop transmission, right? It's a, it's a monoclonal, but they're giving it preemptively, which is the worst of all, because you treat a problem. You don't preemptively screw with a body, but they want to take every newborn and give them this monoclonal that they claim is 70 to 80% effective at preventing severe RSV disease. And either it's a wholesale lie or if it's true, it's true for like two months, and then thereafter, you're going to have negative efficacy to that and other respiratory viruses as well, which we've learned is the case with all of the respiratory viral vaccines. Then, they don't put anything on the label, so there's nothing there. Um, there has never been a monoclonal antibody produced on a mass scale to give to children ever, not as a treatment, and certainly not preemptively, and certainly not to newborns. This is a very big freaking deal. And yet they did it at the speed of Trump's speed. I mean Fauci, I mean Kushner, I mean warp speed. And basically, let's just go through some more stuff here. They're giving it the benefits of a drug and a vaccine. Look how disgusting this is. So they're, they're playing games with the definition of a vaccine. They call it a vaccine when it's convenient and a drug when it's more convenient. So in order to get it onto the childhood vaccine schedule, it becomes a vaccine. It has to be. They get, then they get the liability waiver or for, for all you know adverse events. But it has to be, it's coded for reimbursement as a drug, so it's covered by Obamacare insurance program as a vaccine. But it's coded as a drug. 
But if there's an adverse event, when it is used alone, the adverse event will be filed at, on the drug system, not on theirs. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you got to give them credit. These guys are good. These guys are good. And the kicker is, in, it's even worse than this, really, but I'm just going to give you the top line. We'll delve into it more next week because I don't want to spend too much time on this. I want to spend most of the show with our guest. But there were three deaths within a year in the trial group and zero in the placebo group. Okay, let that, let, let that sink in. And nobody will know about this. And every child will be encouraged in the hospital already. Every newborn to get it. And, and, and they'll probably overlap. In other words, they'll use the Pfizer shot for pregnant women that's supposed to help the fetus when it's born. It doesn't, but that's what it's supposed to do. But then when the baby's born, they'll say the baby needs it. So that you'll get a double dose of whatever poisonous juice that is. And then they'll say, well, look, we're sorry. There's negative efficacy. You need a booster uh, when you're 18 months old. Same thing, rinse and repeat. And then every human being will get a maintenance RSV, flu, and COVID shot. We need a reckoning. I want to give a shout out to Chip Roy. You know, we all talk, but some people actually do. Chip Roy is using this PAWPAW, the Pandemic and Hazard Preparedness Reauthorization Act. BARDA and the assistant, the Office of Assistant um, Secretary for Pandemic Preparedness, they go away overnight unless you reauthorize them on October 1st. He wrote a list of demands of like 10 demands of vaccine commission, dealing with liability, dealing with VAERS reporting, different things that need to be put in place before um, he's willing to reauthorize. He got a list of 19 Republicans signed on it. Unfortunately, you know, it's the same, pretty much the same ones you would expect, you know, pretty much overlapping with the ones who joined the Speaker's Rebellion. And that that's all we have. You know, a few more people here and there, but that's it. Small percentage in the House, almost non-existent in the Senate, except for Ron Johnson. <clears throat> and he got Ron DeSantis as governor. And that's it. It's as if the genocide never happened. See, you would think they'd kind of like lie low. Okay, let's just lie low, not do anything, but not be held accountable. No. They, they know that there is so, to such a degree that there's no opposition that they could do the same thing in broad daylight with RSV and get away with it. We're not going to let them get away with it. Now, I want to get to our interview, um, very appropriately sponsored by Jace Medical, as we talk about taking your own destiny of your own health in your own hands. Certainly, you can't rely on the government. In fact, they're trying to kill you. One of the ways they're doing it is as they put poison in you, they're taking away vital medications that you do need or you know are reliant upon. Uh, things like uh, whether it's mental health, diabetes, blood pressure, whatever it is, if you have a list of prescriptions and you're like, well, what am I going to do when the economy goes to hell? Um, Cindy, one of our listeners, went through the process. She went to jacemedical.com. It's with an S, by the way, J-A-S-E, medical.com, entered promo code review for a discount, filled out their application so they know they can give you a prescription without contraindications, and she got five. She's on five annual scripts for a full year supply for just 256 bucks, I mean, because you're paying out of pocket, that's pretty good. For that price, it is worth the peace of mind gained by having this kind of long-term supply 
when the blank hits the fan. So go to jasemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Enter promo code REVIEW. So folks, when you consider public health and its entire conception, obviously all of us knew there was some revolving door government pharma pay for play, corruption. It's about money. We understood that things change. This is good for you. This is not good for you. This food is good for you. Unless we would have gone through COVID, I would never have believed that they will look you in the eye and tell you something is poison when it's really good and something that's good is poison in, in, in a way that it's ubiquitous to all of society, not just some sort of side product. I couldn't have believed that. But, I mean, here we are. We lived through it with the COVID shots, remdesivir, juxtaposed to all the anti-inflammatories, immunomodulators that they trashed. I wouldn't even talk about vitamin D. And then it got me thinking, as we've been doing the last couple of years, well, what else have we been lied to? Um, what other trends, all these things that are coming along that are suddenly a problem? Everyone's mentally ill. Everyone's physically ill. Uh, everyone's overweight. What's up with that? And, you know, the vaccine plays role, a role in that. There's other vaccines we need to look into, but it's not just that. And we don't even know what to believe anymore. So... Public health has created a public, permanent, and pervasive illness. Remember, everything they say, the opposite is true. So public health is public sickness. And I saw a couple weeks ago, there was this viral thread on Twitter from Dr. Simon Goddick. Um, he is one of the real medical freedom heroes. He was instrumental in exposing the fraud of PCR testing, really many aspects of COVID. He's now a fellow at the Brownstone Institute which uh, has a lot of our friends there. He's a biotechnologist, science journalist. you got to follow him, follow him at G-O-D-D-E-K-E-T-A-L on Twitter. It's a must-follow. Um, and this Twitter thread has almost 14 million views on it. And I want to get to it, but he is joining us today from the Amazon, out there in nature, Dr. Goddick. Thanks so much for making the time for us today. Hey, almost Amazon, it's the Atlantic rainforest, but it's still Brazil. Oh my gosh, I could never live in that heat, <laughs> but uh, you're, you're one of a kind. So I want to jump right into it because we have too much to cover for one show. Uh, so the thread is like this. You show up a picture of a beach in the 1950s and you know everyone could see it's palpable. You can't miss it. There's not a single person who's obese there. And you know other people have made that observation, but you throw on an interesting added point that there was no keto, no vegan, no paleo, no gym memberships, no fancy fitness or wellness influencers. And you really didn't. Our grandparents, you know, my grandparents were never into that. Um, I don't know anyone in the 1950s who was. They didn't have all these vitamins that, that a lot of us are into and all these products that we sell and, and drinking protein shakes. And yet, they, there was no obesity. And they didn't have a lot of these, you know, inflammatory ailments and all these chronic ailments. And you go on to say, so what went wrong? And you have a bombshell there. All right, Dr. Simon, let's start from there. What went wrong? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I saw like I saw like pictures coming by um, on Twitter and people were posting pictures. I think it was from the 80s or 70s and 20. 22 just comparing them and they were not even talking about this just like a simple mean I was like, okay, these people need to understand Why this observation can be made? Um, so this picture of the beach was just like, you know, of course there were obese people back then I think it was five to ten percent of the people were overweight 
um, just not like today when you go to the beach and it's like 50% plus every second person <laughs> is like carrying a second person within the same body, which is um, extremely unhealthy. So I was I was trying to come up with explanations and it's, uh, you know, there are many factors and they're even intervening themselves. It's not just sure. like we can say, okay, there's, there's one reason. So I was just like trying to come up with explanations. Um, of course, there's a sedentary lifestyle. We we sit a lot, just like you and me right now. We just sit in front of the computer, in front of the microphone talking. But people sit in front of the computer the whole day. They don't go outside or hardly go outside. And if they go outside, they go to the gym <laughs> and even take so, the escalator so, let, let me, to get to the let gym. Let me stop you, know? you right there. I, I was going to start with food, but let's start with what you just did, exercise. You're basically talking about yeah. sedentary lifestyle. And I think we know that's true, but let me give you play devil's advocate and let's try to kind of get to the truth here. So on the one hand, that's definitely true. But on the other hand, you have all this obsession with fitness and all these people doing that. You walk outside, you see these well-fit people jogging, the weightlifting. And, you know, in the 1950s, you didn't really have that much of that. But how many people have a gym membership in percent? I mean, like many people do, they don't go. <laughs> Let's be honest, they go like in the first week of January and then they stop. But how many people have a gym membership? So... In my gym, Brazil, I go to a gym as well when I'm in the city because I just I just like it. It's it's amazing, good weights, etc. But um, my gym, there are hardly any obese people. They are outside the gym, and if I mm. see, if I, if I look into the proportion, I know I, maybe one, two, three percent have a gym membership. If you look back in the times, people didn't lurk um, their phones, their computers the whole time. They weren't on YouTube, on uh, X videos, you know, the new thing from Twitter, uh, etc. To to like, yeah, um, they were meeting friends. They were going for a hike. They were going, like my mom told me, she was always going on on, on bicycle trips with her with her friends. They got mm. went to lakes and uh, and just enjoyed the nature. And you didn't see this anymore. Um, if if I ask my friend, oh, let's go with a bike, <laughs> they'd be like, why? So, of course, so you're saying this kind story, of this but, dual system of where, yeah, you do have a fitness crowd that's probably more into fitness than they ever were before, but it's a certain percentage. But the median, the average person, if you're not doing that, you're much, much more likely to be fat, whereas the median individual in Western countries in the 1950s was not going to be overweight. They might not be super athletic or whatever. That depends on the person. So that is definitely a factor. But I want to get to food because this is this yeah. is the big one and practical advice. So was it more the serving size they ate less or is it more what they ate? What they eat. Um, so I can eat whatever I want. I can eat kilos of, of meat, kilos of proteins, and I I wouldn't get fat. Even um, So what, what I think is that the food they ate back in the times was, I think it was meat, it was fat, saturated fats, which they then abandoned. They said, like, okay, this causes um, heart issues. Um, and and thus they said, like, okay, you need to you need to eat more unsaturated fats, which which is literally vegetable oils. And we, nowadays we know they make you really sick. Um, and they didn't eat that much gluten. So I think the wheat um, they're growing nowadays has a much higher gluten content, so gluten protein content. Um, than back in the time. And I think this um, this protein, this gluten protein, if if consumed in accession, it, it's, um, 
it's it's causing something um, called leaky gut. So it, it kind of opens the tight junctions in the gut and it allows toxins and other particles to enter your bloodstream. Mm. So I think this is also um, an issue. And of course, fructose, the corn syrup, which uh, another name for it, um, and the sugars in general. Yeah. Because after they kind of, they didn't ban saturated fats, but I mean, like they said like it's unhealthy. So the food industry was avoiding them. And of course, the more fat you use, the better it tastes. So they were just like exchanging sugars with, with fats. Mm. Um, so, so I, I grew up in the so, 1990s, 80s, 90s. That was yeah. after this marketing already. That was kind of the bullseye period of time. And my parents didn't know any better. And what I always thought was, you read the back of the box, fat and calories, just the, the macro numbers are a problem yeah. as an end to yeah. itself. Meat could be a problem, but we loved it. But we know, oh, that's that's really going to be unhealthy. I think chicken we felt was okay, whatever. Um, oh, you don't want that butter. So you so let's go and have margarine. Um, we used, you know, vegetable oils. Uh, sugars, I yeah. think we all, everyone knew was bad for you, but we used it anyway. No awareness about carbs. So you're saying as opposed to, let's say, the 50s, they weren't having as much sugar, not as much processed food, not as much of these um, chemical-added stuff that could cause cancer, because um, that's a whole other thing. Aside from the obesity, we have the cancer rates, which are out of control. Mm. Um, but but I want to get back to one thing you did say that I think a lot of us are confused about, and I want to know for practical advice. I know I'm supposed to stay away from sugars. I'm not always good at that. I know with these synthetic foods and the chemicals and you know, all the cancer carcinogenic things are bad. But bread, I mean, go back to the 50s. I mean, bread was always a staple going back, you know, way back. What changed about the bread? So um, back in the times, I mean, just ask your grandparents if they're still alive. Just ask them, how did you prepare bread? And they were usually fermenting it. Um, so they had the sourdough. Um, which is hardly used these days. So they used, first of all, they used dry, lots of rye, more than wheat, um, at least where I'm from in Europe. Mm. Um, and they used, of course, flour that contained less gluten. And, and in this fermentation process, the gluten gets breaked, break down, you know. Um, so I think this was this was a big difference. And of course, they didn't eat that much um, flour products. I mean, uh, how many, how many times do they eat pasta? Like nowadays, it's like for breakfast, you have bread. And then for lunch, you have um, <laughs> pasta. And then at night, you have a pizza. Um, <laughs> oh, back in God. the times, I mean, they they consumed bread, but they consumed also with butter, as you said before, and with margarine. Um, they they had a totally different composition of, 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 of a diet, uh, unfortunately. And the bread, I think it's the sourdough is, is a big issue. I still make my own sourdough here in the jungle. I even take the bacteria from the jungle and make my own sourdough bread. I don't have any issues when I eat my sourdough bread. But if I eat a bread from the supermarket, I'm just bloating. And that tells a lot. So the the, the question with that, I was trying to figure this out. So again, I think I think we know they, they literally told us it, it's like remdesivir versus ivermectin. It's like don't use healthy animal fats. That's what we were told. The FDA's mm. famous food pyramid. Load yourself up with carbs. Load yourself up with the synthetic processed foods, with the vegetable oils. Avoid saturated fat. So I think I think our crowd understands that now. That has gotten through. That that was a complete scam. Um, yeah. I want to take this to the next level. So that's obesity. Let's kind of do a little bit on each thing. In addition to obesity, we have the issues of, and I think this might kind of get to the bodybuilders and the athletic people as well. They might not be fat. But a lot of people aren't metabolically 
healthy. So you have a ton of allergies, and I know I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a lot of different things at you, but allergies, autoimmune. I mean, I didn't hear of any of this stuff when I was a little kid. Everyone's got you know celiac and and uh, you know colitis and and then obviously the allergies and um, certainly the cancers. Cancer just exploding, and I don't mean the turbo cancers with the with the COVID shots, but even before that, I mean clearly there's been a very mm-hmm. strong baseline increase the last several decades of younger people getting cancers, types of cancers, cancers out of control, um, all this stuff heart disease, diabetes. Now, some of that is redundant from the obesity, but clearly there's something going on independent of obesity. There's a lot of people who aren't fat at all that are getting these ailments, certainly cancers, but also some of these autoimmune. So what's, what's behind that? Well, again, millions of factors. First of all, all um, cancers, um, you don't, they need carbs, you know, they feed on carbs. So if you for example, if you have cancer patients, they usually enter ketosis. It often has a positive effect on on their on the progress of their disease. Um, on the other hand, if, I mean, like I can just I can just give you some 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 examples. Um, vitamin D levels. That's that's my topic. Vitamin D was much higher than nowadays. Nowadays, I think the average in the U.S. is around twelve nanograms per milliliter. Is it during the winter? Indoors? Yes indoors and people don't back in the times they're like oh like, give, give me a shot of what was it uh cod oil <laughs> you know, people were people were drinking that stuff it's disgusting but it's like good good for you um but yeah anyway um uh, the level needs to be 50 or higher and they're they're long-term studies people who are 50 and higher they you hardly find anyone who gets cancers <laughs> so wow. it's already good prevention you know uh, but if you have levels of 12 and lower, uh, you get sick. It's just like the, the people who died with COVID or like off, it's like with, in my, in my opinion. But they all had um, vitamin D levels, I think, lower than 10. So you can you can already tell there are, there are factors that are determining um, how you die or the likelihood you die. And the same applies to omega-3 fatty acids because now with the industrial production of meat, um, the type of fish we eat, um, the the salmon that isn't wild caught anymore, but somewhere raised uh, in in cages, um, all, all all this doesn't help you to get a good omega three index. So, for example, the omega three index in the U.S. is lower than four, which is dramatic. It should be higher than ten to be good. Uh, so, just like it's also diet uh, diet dependent, but it's it's getting worse and worse every year. And we know if you have a uh, omega C uh, six to omega three fatty acids ratio more than I know, um, let's say five to one or ten to one in your diet. It's highly inflammatory, and if you have inflammatory processes going on in your body the whole time, you get you simply cannot heal. Um, so these are two factors, and of course there there's more. How much sugar do you eat? Uh, how many antioxidants do you consume? How much do you sleep? There there are so many factors that determine. Um, the the state of health. I can just tell you my personal story. So I'm 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 low carb in Brazil because I love to make my own burgers. So sometimes I eat some bread, mm-hmm. but I make my own sourdough burgers. Uh, but I'm very very low carb. And in Brazil, I usually had a body fat percentage of twelve to fifteen percent, which is totally fine, which is actually very good. Um, and I visited Europe and the U.S. Um, in June, in May and June, for like six weeks. When I got back, I had a body fat percentage of 25%. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it's just like because I didn't eat my own food because here on my in my jungle I have my own meat, I have my own vegetables, everything wow. I literally create myself. And in the U.S. and in Great Britain, we went to restaurants, uh, we had processed foods, we, I had pizza, I had beers. And it just like within one month, I, I literally gained um, almost, yeah, it was about 25 pounds, which is crazy because I, I didn't eat like a pig. But just like the stuff I ate in my body was like, what the heck is this? Like, like, like so many calories, so many carbs, and it was just storing it. I think my body thought it was like about to be winter and I need to store it, so... Um, this is what happens to the body if you just if, if if you change things to towards the bad. So so you explain again why, why you know the public health and I want to get to the why and who's behind this you know led us to bad things denuded us of the good things you know because a lot of you know you know my father was like what is it with all those vitamins you have and you're you're promoting and everything you know God didn't mean you to be that way and it was bothering me I was like yeah you know but I think you kind of explained it because the food has been denuded of a lot of these yep. nutrients so then now you mm. you're deficient so if you don't have a readily available way of getting in your diet uh, that's why you need the supplements um but why so, so man there's, there's so much to go through here um why is it you mentioned Europe versus Brazil but why mm. is America the worst? Why is America even worse? If if this is kind of standard with the processed foods everywhere, why is America just so terrible? Oh, Brazil is worse than America. I mean, Brazil is America, but I mean, like Brazil is worse than the USA. Huh. Um, regarding processed food stuff, it's a nightmare. It's like Nestle is like, I think they have a market share of more than eighty percent, and they just put all the shit to the market here. But still, let's let's focus on the S because most of, of of your listeners have never been to Brazil and seen the the nightmare, the supermarket here. So uh, I think it's about money. This is about money. It's it's cheap ingredients. Um, people love it. People get addicted to to sugars. Um, my, my my girlfriend, she's like. If she doesn't get her sugars, she gets she she freaks out. <laughs> it's like yeah. almost everybody is sugar addicted in the world. It's just it has For the sure. same effect on the brain as cocaine. So if you're cocaine addicted, we can as Hunter Biden. Um, it's very hard to get rid of it of the addiction. So this is a big problem why people have difficulties changing the diet. And of course, if you eat carbs, they turn into sugars in your body. Um, carbs are very hard. I mean, I think people find that often to be the hardest because. You know, it, it's hard to have a cheap and quick way to to eat. People are busy; they're on the run. Um, they don't have as much time to prepare, and they rely on carbs. So, if, if just some practical advice, and you kind of started talking about that. You know, a, a lot of the doctors I have on, they're like, avoid carbs like like it's poison, and I get that. I get that, but but. For people that it's just not practical to go into complete ketosis or things like that, no. what are some of the ways to take the edge off of it that if you're going to have some carbs, maybe the less offensive way of having it? Oh, just 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 work out. Work out and afterwards have your carbs. It's good. <laughs> to, Wait, to, first to bring work back... out and then afterwards yeah. have the carbs? Yes, I would do it like that. Huh. So you give energy back to the cells. So that's what I do. Um, um Occasionally, when I work out, have a really hard workout, I get some carbs afterwards. Um, you can also do it before. It doesn't matter. I mean, like if you work out, you actually, you actually, that's what you're burning. You, you need energy and um, and carbs turn to energy. To put it in a very simple way, of course, um, being in ketosis, the fats turn to energy as well. So, if if you're already in some kind of ketosis to 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 at least a high degree. Um, 
I think it doesn't matter. So I don't need carbs. I don't like, you know, these people who really need them, who who get crazy, they don't get them. But you can get over it. But I, I totally understand what it was about. I mean, when I got back from the US and I was like here in Brazil, I need carbs, I need carbs. It was just, it was, it needed, it, it took like two or three days to get back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 nothing is wrong with eating carbs now and then. Nothing is wrong with eating a nice breakfast and some rye bread. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's about um, the amount, the de- you know, yeah. the amount you eat during the day. Now, now, what about what about a whole wheat bread? Is that a scam or is that any better? Oh, I didn't look into this yet, but I don't think it's any better. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, like, it depends on the process. So nowadays, if you go to a bakery, they just, like, put it together and they put it in the oven right away. It doesn't matter if it's whole wheat or whatever it is. Um, it's about the process that it should, like, that the sourdough should raise for, like, 10 hours. To now, make now the, the other big thing more. that surprised yeah. me from speaking to some of the doctors we've had on is that, you know, when I think of carbs, I think of bread, maybe pasta, all these kind of processed uh you know, cookie cracker snacks and things like that. But, um, you know, they say for in terms of the blood sugar levels, rice, is, white rice is the worst thing imaginable. Um, that's what I'm seeing everywhere. But but didn't a lot of civilizations way before this era, you know, rely on rice? Yeah. I think rice is a special uh, <laughs> stance because, um, yes, it's like it's literally pure carbs, pure starch, I think even. Uh, I didn't look into rice yet because I don't consume rice so hardly. Um, but just like potatoes and rice, uh, they they raise the blood sugar level. It's true, but it depends on how you consume it. If you if you consume vegetables and meat with a bit of rice, it shouldn't have have that effect. Uh-huh. And if you have water instead of a coke or or, or fruit juice, um, so if you look at, for example, the Japanese, um, they eat lots of rice, but they also eat lots of fermented food stuff, fish, etc. So it, it it compensates, I think. Um, so I don't think that rice is that bad, uh, but it's carbs, it's pure carbs. So um, it's better to limit it. So better eat meat with rice, not rice with meat. So here, here's the fundamental question I'm looking at, just philosophically and scientifically. You find this perverse, almost like a paradoxical dynamic here where – the Western countries we're saying are more unhealthy than you know the more primitive countries, and we're saying the more primitive times people were healthier than they are today. But people mm. would ask, well, what do you mean? You say 1950 life expectancy was 10 to 15 years less. How do you square that with the fact that we're loaded up with cancer, we're loaded up with obesity and diabetes, we're loaded up with heart problems, with autoimmune, with allergies, and that is true. But on the other hand, we do live longer. Yeah, there are two factors. Senatory systems is the first one. Um, back in the times, um, the senatory systems weren't weren't that that good, that mm. clean. You know, now usually the water we the water we drink or even the bathrooms they are they're all quite they're they're clean. They're they're less germs um, and uh, less likelihood to you. You stay in a, in a dirty environment. Um, so this is one thing. You can also see that um, diseases decreased um, together with better centaur systems. You can see this in, in, in many countries. You can see it now uh, in, in India where they, I think the last decade, I think they were 
they were increasing it by by five or tenfold. Um, I think in some states that like only 10% of the population had a, had a toilet and now it's like almost 100%. Um, so we can, we see this. And the other, the other thing is the fridge. Um, fridges were the best that could happen to us uh, regarding life expectancy because our food wouldn't spoil. So back in the times people, they had like these, you know, these ice, what I call this, they had a real fridge. They just had like, some, some place where they put ice in, but the the food wasn't cooled down to three degrees. I mean, Celsius, I don't know how, how much Fahrenheit right. you, you put this down. Um, so nowadays we, we make sure that the, that the food doesn't spoil and we make sure that actually we don't live in our own feces. Um, I, these are two main factors mm. for, for longer life. And of course they're, um, don't underestimate, um, surgical um, impacts or like a docs that really can remove the appendix if necessary or if you have an artillery issue so uh, cutting you up cutting you up in, <laughs> and, in, in other yeah. words in other words while the medical system has become corrupt in terms of a lot of the therapeutics a lot of the care but biotech you know the technology surgeries and you yeah. know like trauma care you know so you get in a car accident or any, any other trauma you're much more likely to survive so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is that we should be able to reap the benefits of all the technological advances outside of medicine, but in medicine as well, without having the other liabilities that we needlessly put on us. So, yeah, maybe you'll live another 10, 15 years longer, but you have this insane amount of illness and quality yeah. of life. So, so Dr. Simon, I mean, isn't it funny that – it always seems like the best outcome for the bottom line of pharma is what happens. So what would you want? The most people living the longest, the sickest. And it yes. seems like that's what we yes. have. That's what they want. They want you to have a long life, but a sick life. That's at least what I think it is. And I mean, they're, they're, we're, there's so much proof. I mean, we can we can start with the vaccines. We can start with the, the demonizing ivermectin, vitamin D, uh, and the show goes on. So they don't tell you what's really healthy. <laughs> they just tell you what you should take in order to be a uh, a client forever, a client for life. I mean, look yep. at the average American how many how many pills they take, twenty thirty per day. I mean, like that's that's all bullshit. <laughs> just live a healthy life. Go outside for several hours per day. Eat healthy, and you can just literally drop all your pills. But the doctor would say, like, "Whoa, you can't do this. It's on your own risk." You know, stuff like that. So, so they try to make you kind of a an addict of of all these pills, and they say, like, if you take them, you're healthy. But it's not like that. If you, as long as you take these pills, you're you're just like you're you're sick. You're an unhealthy human being, and there are ways out of it. Simple ways out of it, but they're not telling you. They don't tell you. They don't tell you. Oh, change, change your diet. Why is change your diet? Nobody. Which doctor is going to tell you change your diet? <laughs> Dietrist. Okay, but I mean, like, which normal doctor is going to tell you that? Nobody. Never take take the booster. Come on, it's going to help you. Nobody's nobody's telling you okay, take calcifedule. We can we can raise your vitamin D level within twenty minutes to fifty nanograms per milliliter. You're going to be healthy forever. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell you that. That's not where the money lays. So you you covered a lot of a lot of the big ones that I you know I've been starting to understand a little bit more. There was something I did not know about as much, and you talk about the nutrients of the topsoil. What's that about? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's quite interesting. 
<laughs> so the topsoil, the minerals and the nutrients in the topsoil are decreasing big time because of industrial farming. So we are using fungicides, herbicides, pesticides, whatever. You know, we are literally killing the soil because the the majority of the soil you touch is microorganisms. We're killing them all, you know. Uh, and we are distracting actually the nutrients. So the people plant corn, the corn take up the nutrients, and the, the soil loses the nutrients that way. It, actually, the soil loses its life. By losing its life, it's losing its, its function. And um, what we observe is that, for example, a tomato in the 40s or 50s had like 10 times more nutrients than nowadays that you, that you buy as a soil-grown tomato or, or corn or whatever you want. So the issue here is if you... Well, I mean, if a grandpa back in the time had one tomato, you have to eat 10 now. And of course, you eat tomato, you eat tomato, and your, your body is, cra- is craving more because it needs, your body knows indirectly, it needs, the, it needs vitamin C, it needs whatever, it needs magnesium. That's why people are craving food. Because, Wait, that's because interesting. I thought we're just a bunch of pigs. You're saying metabolically, the food is not as satisfying. No. I mean, mm. uh, you, you don't... You don't feel it directly, but your body is telling you indirectly because you go to the fridge and you look inside again. He's like, oh, I need some more. So your body is telling you that you need it, that you need more. Um, it's, it's like when it comes to salt, when it comes to water, you, your body is telling you actively, hey, I'm thirsty. Oh, please get some salt. But for example, for, for the nutrients as such, your body, your body knows there's something missing and, and you just keep on munching. And if you eat, for example, a whole food meal, if I eat here some boar meat with homegrown vegetables, I eat a, I eat a plate, I'm full the whole day <laughs> because you my body really doesn't need that? anymore. Yes. I don't, I had huh. in the morning, had a bit of meat and a bit of vegetables. I'm still full. I, I don't, I don't crave um, and when I eat in the city and I buy stuff from the market there, I crave, but not so when I grow no, Not everyone is as uh, resourceful as you living out there in the jungle. How do those of us living in a city, how do, I mean, because like you're saying, I mean, even the things that are good animal fats, but they're the fish and the chicken and the meat are all, you know, contaminated with all sorts of things. The the vegetables and other stuff, the soil is all contaminated with, with everything. How practically do you get around that? And even if you are someone who wants to grow your own garden, which a lot of people yeah. are encouraged to do, it's a good idea. But aren't you also basically just dealing with the same problems? No. Um, if you join a community garden, for example, um, people are using the principle of composting. And that's the best thing you can do. You just enrich your, your soul and everything which you, which you do, which you eat, goes back into the garden. And you even get, like, if you do good compost and you get from the municipality some leaves that they collected on the streets, ever. But it, you add more and more nutrients, actually, to your community garden. And usually community gardens are very rich in nutrients, at least uh, the products. Um, so this is something people can do. And I would highly encourage you to do so. The other thing is uh, farmer's markets. There are farmers, mm. um, markets out there, um, that like farmers that grow their food in a permaculture environment or an organic environment, um, using their own compost, using their own nutrients, using their whatever. Um, and there you can get amazing products like lard, like organic lard. You can get organic beef, which has like an omega three to an omega six to omega three fatty acid ratio of maybe three to one, and not like thirty to one. Um, as you can find in the supermarket, hmm. so there, there, there are many, there are many f- things you can do even when you live in the city. And I'm, I'm pretty sure even, I mean, even New York City has farmers markets, so you, you should find them everywhere in the states. 
you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about that, that what the government has done with the food industry is very parallel to the medical industry, how they created these artificial monopolies where now you don't have private practice and you have all the mergers and acquisitions. It's the same thing with farming. You have all the big industrial farms. And, you know, we we focus a lot on the pricing, the price of healthcare, the price of food, and that's one uh, consequence of it. But but really, it's it's the quality. The the you know yeah. and, and I think this is really really important. Would you have any advice? You know, I advise members of Congress on different policies, and we do have a five year farm bill coming up at the end of the fiscal year. They'll probably just do an extension because it's too late uh, for a few months. But what are some provisions that you think you would like to put in a farm bill to start steering away from the last few decades of unhealthy processed foods? So I think what's most important is that people who grow their own food pay less property tax <laughs> because um, the the land they're using has a value. In, and in the U.S. you have property tax, but I still find it super socialist. I'm, I'm talking about this a lot. It's just crazy yeah. property tax. You own something, you have to pay tax on it. So if you own land, for example, close to Miami, you grow your own food, you can, never, you can never pay the property tax or you can never actually earn the money back that you're growing yourself. So I think there should be... Um, people shouldn't be paying tax on land they're cultivating. Um, yep. I think this is the main. I think this is the main incentivization. That's for, a good point. For, That's for a really good point. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I always felt property tax was among the most pernicious because it's confiscatory. It's 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 permanent. It's on your land. It's not on anything consumed or even income produced. Um, I, I always love the idea of a new homestead act where we have a bunch of federal land. I mean, in the West, it's it's mainly federally owned. Yeah. And, you know, my proposal would be a homestead act to sell it back to the states on condition that you have a good percentage that's parceled out to individuals get 15, 20 acres. You can only get one. So you don't have like the Bill Gates of the world buying them yeah. all up. You know, each person gets gets one and you could purchase it. And then it's kind of like, you know, re- regulatory free zone, tax free zone. And, you know, the, literally the polar opposite of a 15 minute wef city the 15 minutes is the american frontier idea and i think it works along with health as well um couple other things here man there's there's just so much and i encourage everyone to follow you again at godek et al um on twitter dr simon godek it should come up in in your your feed when you when you go to it so you know this is its own show but Obviously, my audience doesn't need any new information on the COVID shots. They totally get what they are and aren't. Um, but, you know, the general childhood vaccines that most of us have kind of slept through and gotten and gotten for our children. Um, unfortunately, my children have gotten all of them, and I really regret it. And I've put a moratorium on them. Um, which sort of chronic ailments that have popped up the last few decades do you think are most attributable to the growth of vaccines? Uh, I know many. I think it's many. So I read the book Turtles all the way down. I can just encourage everyone to do this. Um, And it explains it very well um, that there is a strong correlation. So what I can tell from my um, expertise is that um, if you take many vaccine shots, it has an impact on your on your immune system when you're young. So on your microbiome, to be honest, and the microbiome stays when you're a baby. You get the first shots. Actually, your microbiome is already disturbed. 
and it's really hard it's really hard to alter it back so um this is what i have at least read so i'm 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 not a medical doctor i'm a biotechnologist all i can i can say is what i read the scientific publications that i read um but yeah from from that perspective i would just encourage everyone to to double and triple check whether they want their children to get vaccinated i will not have my children vaccinated any of them I will not. I don't have children yet. I'm still young. But you but wouldn't have any children, of them? No. No. Zero. Zero point zero. You know, this is what we're trying to navigate. I mean, it's just it's just so difficult. And before I brought you on, we just talked about how they approved a monoclonal antibody, which they're marketing uh, to their benefit as a vaccine so it could get the liability shield uh, for RSV for newborns. Right. I mean, the first eight days to stick that in them. Um, it is unbelievable, and and you talk about the fact that we have seventy two shots, and as of twenty nineteen, I mean, if they get their way within the next few years, and they already have RSV, I mean, it, that that's going to grow exponentially. Um, see, I I just looked at it as in terms of just all these antibodies, all the inflammation, but it looks like you're approaching it, you know, from an additional angle from the microbiome, um, and that is man. I mean, you you look at this, it's like, you had to have thought of this. How do you think of every last way to attack the human body? Um, and it is, it's just so, so sad. Uh, just, again, practical advice. What's your thought on all the doctors that I think are in our movement are very, very, um, they're very bullish on intermittent fasting. And that's another one of these things that I understand the science behind it, but it's it's difficult. It's difficult for a lot of people. Is there a way of doing it that is less draconian than some of my doctors are talking about, but still would have a benefit? Yeah, I I think so. Um, so I'm doing intermittent fasting. So I'm just having my my breakfast at at uh, at one or two p.m. And I'm having my last meal at at eight, nine. So, um, I mean, there, there are people who only have one meal per day. I do it. I have usually three because I work out every day. And I need to get my proteins in order wait, to, three to day, grow. But, wait, you know, but you to, don't eat your first meal until the afternoon? Yeah, I, I do. I do. At 1 or 2 p.m. Huh. Just or at least not in the morning. I don't eat anything in the morning. And uh, in the afternoon, I, I eat. I eat a meal, a big meal. And then um, when I work out, um, so five times a week, I have, I have a second short little meal or some, some, <laughs> some protein shakes, you know, a healthy one though, a very healthy one or some eggs. And the evening I have another big meal. So I get my, my, get my calories because I'm working, working out and also working on the, my permaculture um, place here. It's like it's energy consuming, so I need to get it back in. But I think it's it just like try to get over – the morning i mean if, if 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 someone's really having difficulties just have a glass with lemon juice um mm-hmm. or fresh lemon squeezed or green tea and and just try to extend it every day more you can start first one week the first meal at eight then at nine ten eleven twelve and then the body adjusts automatically to it so you're saying the worst thing you can do with overeating or if you're going to eat your carbs if you're going to eat your sugar and you you can't avoid it the worst thing you can do is to have in the morning. Well, yeah, um, anytime actually. So, I mean, let's say for everybody's different. Okay, everybody's different. Some the metabolism 
of everybody is different. But uh, I'd say sugar is bad any time. Yeah. Um, and having a meal just before going to bed is also bad. So uh, um, I, I would just, I would just, my my personal advice is just like to to cut back carbs and intermittent fasting if you can do it. If someone is feeling fine with it, it's it's beneficial. Or doing, for example, fasting once or twice a year. I mean, many religions were are are supporting that idea and saying like, hey, do do some fasting because it's good for your gut because your gut's kind of recovering, you know. Um, so fasting is a good thing, and I can just encourage everybody to 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 read about it and and just do what's good for you. Just do what what you feel good with. But don't consume the the misinformation put out by the people who like talking about misinformation. I think this is very very enlightening. Um, summing, summing it up in your own words, so what, what could he do? Eat saturated fats, cut out seed oils, limit carbs and sugar, grow your own food in your self-made compost, exercise at least three times a week, limit your screen time, enjoy the sun as much as possible, and read the book, Turtles All the Way Down, as well as Rise of the Fourth Reich by yours truly. Um, Dr. <laughs> <Yeah>. Simon, <laughs> where could people find your work and more of what you do? So I have Substack. It's drgodek.com www.drgodek.com Godek is G-O-D-D-E-K and I'm on Telegram Godek, just Godek, G-O-D-D-E-K there are many fake accounts and also on Twitter millions of fake accounts it's Godek at all um, G-O-D-D-E-K E-T-A-L usually just like type type Simon Godek and that's just and one come up. guy and that's me, yes perfect, definitely always useful information it really gripped a lot of people clearly, the way you presented it um, I'd recommend to everyone. Thanks so much for your time. And we had a lot of fun. Sure hope to do this again soon. Okay, thank you. Take care. So folks, dovetails very well with obviously our show two weeks ago on Friday with uh, Dr. Paul Merrick on you know diet and different things causing cancer. And you know, again, there's a lot of unanimity of opinion of all people that think for themselves around most of this. Like, like you can tell, I tried to vet out a little bit. There are some disagreements within the margins of how terrible or great certain specific things are, but it's all kind of the things we know. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I do want to do this more often. I can't promise like every Friday we do have a lot of things going on. But then again, I'm feeling very frustrated. And I know a lot of you are, and I felt... Honestly, the most fulfilling thing in my career was what we did with uh, medical freedom, not just from a policy standpoint, but from a practical standpoint, where we were able to get people help to get them through the bioweapon. And I figure, look, you know, I don't know. I don't I can't change elections and state legislatures and legislation as much as I try. I'm going to still try. But there are a lot of things that we can still take our own health in our own hands and and sometimes just a, just a little bit of this advice could go a long way even if you're not the type that could do that much fasting and that much carbs and sugar avoidance but you know you cut down on it you switch a little bit more to the organic meats and and saturated fats and you know healthy stuff that's not contaminated you exercise exercise a little bit more get out a little bit more uh, be a little bit more strategic about the timing of the type of food you eat, I mean, you know, it might not be 100%, but 60-70% would go a long way. So um, I'm, I'm just learning this side by side with a lot of you. A lot of you have been emailing me with, you know, the, this has been your expertise for years. So let me know. I mean, if you have other people that you think would be very insightful, um, I'm certainly willing to spend more time on this. But yeah, we do have a lot more information on the economy, on on the illegal, illegal immigration stuff to get to 
on the campaign. Very, very important life lesson. So we're going to take it up to the next level next week as we always do. I encourage you to send this and every other show we have to as many of your friends and relatives that you have. This is a show like none other. Uh, we're truly, truly independent thought. It's nobody else's talking points. We think outside the box. And uh, that's really what we need. This is what it's going to take. I am beholden to absolutely nobody. Never been censored. Never will be. Um, nobody's ever going to push me around like we see my other colleagues. Everything they say and don't say, more importantly, has to do with their mother's milk. And that's the problem. We need more critical, independent thinkers. Um, you know, I'm not earning so much of a keep, just enough to earn a living here. But hopefully God will, you know, repay me in the next world, which is what, what matters most. And that's the thing. You know, I don't want to insult your intelligence. Most of you work for a living, like a real job. I don't. So if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And I give you independent information and not kowtow to the latest, uh, you know, things. Like I said, I, I, I could totally say everything I'm saying, but leave off the Trump part. And it will be totally, totally acceptable. Oh, yeah, that's great. The minute you me, me mention Trump, what do you mean? But I'm sorry, I can't just go around and say, inflation is Biden. Inflation is 90% Trump. It was all baked when he was president. Milton Friedman says the 12 to 18 month lag. Had he had a second term, you would have had this same inflation. Yes, Biden added some icing, some cherries on top, some extra mint sandwiches on top that Trump wouldn't have done. Okay, especially like the energy regulations and things like that that make it even worse. But that was just an exacerbation of uh, several sectors. But the general core durable inflation was all caused, all caused by Trump and his Federal Reserve and his picks. It, it's incontrovertibly clear. It was COVID, but not just COVID. He had record spending above Obama's levels even before that. You can't say, I'm for all the spending. Oh, but I'm, uh, but I'm against inflation. Then it's his fault. Remember how he was hitting Mitch McConnell. He wanted even more stimulus checks. And that sounds very populist and very nice. But don't come back to me and complain about inflation. You can't have it both ways. But anyway, we'll talk about that more next week. Let me know your comments, questions, and concerns at Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. See you back here Monday, same time, same place. God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.